0: Hi, this is Amanda Mark, and you're listening to Catholic vs. Catholic.
1: Tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you believe, and how you came to believe it.
0: Well, it goes pretty far back. Um, I was raised in a Christian family. My background is Mennonite. Uh, My family were very faithful. We were always at church, uh, just really raised to know and love God and the Bible, I have a very distinct memory of sitting at the edge of my bed with my dad. I think I might've been three or so and and praying to ask Jesus into my heart. And that's been forever imprinted in my mind. And so as I grew up, we were always at church and I do remember sitting in church thinking, this is a little bit boring. I kind of hope I'll like church when I'm older and heaven sounded pretty boring too. But I, I, Never doubted, Um, when I was seven years old, my parents, I'm the oldest of four, my parents went down to Mexico for two years to do missions work. And that had a very profound effect on my life, but also my faith. Coming back to Canada, trying to fit in again with my peers was always not particularly smooth. I had friends, but they never got me. And I, I tell my parents even now how thankful I am that they did that because I don't know where I would be now without seeing God just really at work in, in these people's lives. And just that, that to me solidified that, the, that God is real. And, and I didn't have doubts after that, but I did always feel something was still kind of missing. When we were, I think I was in grade eight or nine, we uh, started attending the Pentecostal church in our town and until my husband and I joined the Catholic church we attended pentecostal churches and that was really great people were on fire for the lord loved jesus and it was really good for me lots of growth it was great but i felt like something was missing and i knew that couldn't be god's fault like i wasn't blaming him i mostly would have said i blamed myself for that not going to church enough or praying the right way or or whatever but Things got really interesting when I met my husband. We met in November of 2007, married in 2008, had our first child 2009, and it's been pretty much a roller coaster ever since. Uh, We have six kids, our youngest is going to be one this July. And so after we got married, we were still attending the Pentecostal church. We really enjoyed it, met great people, good pastors, but, Along the lines, Kevin, my husband, was just really struggling with lots of different questions. And was always asking questions and reading and seeking. And, I mean, I just kind of thought he's going to be a theologian or something. He was always discussing these types of things. And I felt like I could rarely keep up with him. But it was no big deal. Like, we we kept along that path. But... The reason we had our son, our first son, so early on is on our honeymoon, we felt convicted about the use of contraception, and on our honeymoon, we did pray to ask the Lord to just make it abundantly clear to us what his will for us is in this, because we were confused and we didn't know what to do, because the pastor that gave us our marriage counseling going in told us to wait a few years to have kids, and that was just the norm to use contraception and, and wait till you wanted kids or whatever. And we just didn't know what to do. And the Lord did answer that prayer for us in a very clear way. And and so Silas was born nine months later. And I'm not very good at going through Kevin's got his, his kind of like dominoes, how things just kept coming up and brought us closer and closer to the Catholic church. But it was never, um, it wasn't until right at the end where it was clear that's where we were headed. So it uh, so wasn't really even on our radar, but we went through discussions about uh, infant baptism and all kinds of stuff. And so I was cool going along and, and hearing all this stuff, but uh, the, the final straw was when we were at our church and where we attend, the, the parents get, uh, could decide when they wanted their children to participate in communion. And at that time we, we didn't want to let our kids do that. We had three and we're expecting our fourth or our youngest was just little still our fourth youngest, but in their Sunday school class, they had done what my children interpreted as communion because they apparently had gone through to discuss it and to whatever, but then they also still gave them bread and, and grape juice or whatever. So when our, Kids came home and told us about that. We were we were quite struck. Uh, it really it threw us off guard, and it was at that point we 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 knew where we were at, and so that's when we started um, attending the Catholic Church closest to us and and looked into RCIA classes. But uh, one of the interesting things was is I didn't really go along with this terribly smoothly towards the end. Um, I was fine in general but then i remember one day we had this discussion and i don't even know what the topic was i do remember i was sitting on the edge of the couch and i must have been frustrated i'm not sure i must have given my husband some sort of look and he said it's not like we're going to become catholic or anything and i told him at that moment i didn't tell him at that moment but in my mind i knew at that moment we were going to be catholic and i was mad And I've never been so mad at my husband for a full month. And afterwards, he told me he really didn't know. He just thought I was miffed. And um, it was just a really big struggle across the board. It was just the unknown because I grew up in a completely different stream of Christianity. I never remember hearing any anti-Catholic statements or anything, but there was a clear anti-Catholic bias in me that came out real strong then. And what struck me the most was, is I struggled so hard that month to pray. I wanted to pray, I knew I should, but I couldn't find the words. I just remember being so confused and not knowing what to do, just so so lost. And feeling like I had nobody to talk to. Like I, I knew my family wasn't gonna like this. I knew my friends were likely not gonna like this. and the rest of my friends were all like Christians. Like they, they would not see this. And I had nobody to talk to and I was definitely not going to be talking to Kevin at this point. And so I just remember struggling and struggling with that. until so one night I don't know what prompted it. I don't, I do know. It, it was out of desperation. I remember going to my bedroom and I was on my knees and I just cried out to the Lord because I was so lost. And I said, I do not understand this. I do not know why this is happening because I knew it wasn't gonna go well, especially with my family. And I didn't wanna go there, but I said, Lord, if this is what you want for me, I will do it. I will follow Kevin, I will join the Catholic Church. And in that moment, such a peace washed over me that completely blew me away. It's, it's definitely, as the verse says, like the peace that passes all understanding. And what struck me by it is, I had never experienced that kind of peace. I had, I had never known that kind of peace, and it was that gift that has been my rock for. Because I have never doubted this journey. I have never doubted that this was the truth, and this is truly what the Lord had for us. And that that was just such a blessing because things didn't go well after that when we shared things with my family and and everything. And there there was a lot of stuff going on there, but I just never had any doubts, and that was. I'm so thankful to the Lord for that, and so. We joined the church in, oh, I'm going to get it wrong. I think we're three years in now. I think this is our third Easter in the church. We were we joined Easter Vigil with our four oldest being baptized, and I was pregnant with our fifth. So we, we joked that our little Clement is our first official Catholic baby, but... Uh, it's been the best thing that has ever happened to me. And it is that thing that I was missing my whole life. And it, it's the Eucharist. It is the sacraments. It's, the, it's confession that I, I was somewhat worried about confession initially, but they are all so life-giving and I can't imagine not being Catholic. I, I keep telling Kevin being Catholic is the best thing ever. And he just looks at me like I'm crazy because he knows how much I didn't want this at first. And, and so we can give Kevin a lot, a lot of credit, too, because I, I, I will joke that he, he had a big part in dragging me, kicking and screaming, into, into the church. But the Lord definitely gave me some, some serious grace to, to submit to that.
1: Wow. I wish that everyone would say that prayer that you said, I don't like the Catholic Church, I'm scared of the Catholic Church, but if it's your will, God, that I join, then that's what I'm going to do. And then, Boom! You're in, you get that view from the inside, which is radically different from the view from the outside. And um, one of my favorite quotes by Saint Bernard of Clairvaux is a commentary on the Canticle of Canticles, the Song of Solomon, how the church is black but beautiful, and how she has this appearance which is off-putting to those who don't love her, and it's so radically different. Once you're in love with the church, there's no way to express The vision that we have, the clarity that we have, the peace that we have, the joy that we have, the abundant riches that we have in terms of history, science, the saints, the sacraments, the liturgy, the philosophy, the theology, the apparitions, the miracles. It's just such a treasure that we have. In a way, it's sort of a shame that we only have about 100 years here to explore it, but I guess we'll have all of eternity to explore the treasures if God willing, we make it to heaven. But I want to talk a little bit about this whole creationism thing, because I, I just recently came out of the closet as a young earth creationist. Uh, just talk generally about creation being a Catholic, if you would, please.
0: Sure. I never doubted the six stakes of creation and brought that to with us to the church. Like, I, I never doubted it. And it wasn't, we didn't run into too much of that or as much with our, in the denominations we were growing up with in the terms of evolution. Like it was like, it never came up um, until right at the end before we joined the church, people were having the creationists come out and talk because that was getting into, to the Bible schools and everything. And these, these kids are coming out teaching this weird version of evolution. And to me, it's just shocking, like just really surprising. And I've had people say, well, what's the big deal? Who cares if you believe some version of, of evolution or not? And, and I think, thanks to Kevin, like, I, I don't think I would have delved into it as much, except for the fact that he's always talking about it, so I get to hear it all the time. But not believing in the six days of creation completely undermines the inerrancy of the Bible. And once you start doing that, everything starts falling apart. And that, that's, I think, what t- I take the most from, is just how we see so many people not even wanting to read the Bible, and then when they do all their own interpretations, and it just gets out of control. But But um, when you um, believe in the six days of creation, you can take the Lord's word literally, then you have the solid foundation to go on. And I don't, I just don't understand. It doesn't make any logical sense to me how people think that uh, any of these other theories align themselves at all with God and his will and, and who God is.
1: You've been married how many years now?
0: Almost 11.
1: Okay. I don't know I don't know if you know but I'm 24 years married and my wife is rabidly anti-catholic. So uh, that's kind of like a miracle when I hear about a nice submissive docile obedient wife. For <laughs> sure I'm sure you have a lot of character a lot of personality and I'm sure you can stand your ground but this idea of the man being the leader the spiritual head of the family it is something that's neglected I think in today's world outside of the church and inside of the church. There's, you know, since the so-called sexual revolution, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on. And you've already talked about contraception and this, how widely accepted it is in even among Christians. And sadly, even among Catholics, I'm sure you've seen that. So the question that I'm getting to here is about your relationship with Kevin. To this day, are there issues that separate you, whether they're dogmatically defined issues or whether they're just peripheral Are there things that you differ on that are significant that you talk about and that you're trying to work through or that you don't talk about because you get upset when you talk about them?
0: I, well, coming back to what you were just saying about being a submissive wife in today's culture, like, it's just horrible. Like, you say anything along those lines and you're like the worst person in the world, right, today. And I've come across that, like like you said, within the church and everything because people have essentially almost said sometimes that my husband just rules over me is I think what somebody has almost literally said before. And I mean, that may be how it looks, but I'm not necessarily willing to agree that that is not how the case. But I do believe in how the Lord lined it up. And that's how he ordained it as the man to be the head of the household. And because of the state of our culture now, it is so much more difficult to do that because you're bombarded with with being your own person and your equal and all this kind of stuff. And so that definitely makes it harder, but I've never disbelieved that. And I think I i had a real journey myself to come to this place better. I would have said when we first married, I was doing my best to be submissive and everything, but uh, little did I know how far I had to go. And its it's been a good journey though, because I realized that that's, what the Lord had. And uh, like we, we see eye to eye when it comes to the church and all the major things in our lives, we're uh, eye to eye. And that is such a blessing because we are trying to do our best with our marriage and with our family and we're on the same page. And it, it mostly comes down to, I would say communication issues, seeing things differently as they come up and how to communicate those things graciously back and forth with each other. Cause we both communicate very differently and that usually is what we struggle with the most. And for me, just learning what it looks like and what it means to be respectful to Kevin and how we can do that. And the more I have learned that and being able to bite my tongue, even when I want to say something, even if I think I'm right or even end up being right about something, it has brought more unity and peace to our marriage because Kevin sees that I'm trying to respect him and I'm not trying to undermine him. And then he is more loving towards me. And so it's, it goes both ways. And so, yeah, it, it hasn't, it's not easy. And I don't expect it to be easy because this we're, we're in this battle till the day we die and it's a worthy battle to fight. And so there have been times definitely where the devil, the liar, the, he's a liar who tries to just take these issues that could become contentious, and blow them up into something so much more and cause just complete devastation in one's marriage and family and life. And the more I purpose to fight against that and to love and honor my husband, even if I get upset about something, the Lord gives just so many graces and he hears those prayers and it's such a blessing. We're by no means a perfect couple, but because we, I've noticed we're both willing to keep trying to love even when it's hard. We're, we're getting somewhere.
1: One of my guests had a good insight. I don't think it was his original idea, but he shared it with me. And it had to do with this question of submission and how the woman's submission is literally putting herself underneath the mission of the man and that mission that the man has is all about the woman. It's about loving her. It's about respecting her. It's about protecting her. It's about... Like, if we think about the someone that failed in their mission, we can think about Adam. He did not complete his mission, right? So, obviously, submission today ain't what it's cracked up to be, right? Because we live in a fallen world. So if you go in naive to a relationship and you think I'm going to submit completely and I'm never going to sort of rise above my station, then you're probably doomed to failure in your relationship because your husband is a sinner, right? So you're going to have to wear the pants sometimes. And uh, that's just the way it is. But if Adam had completed his mission, then Eve would have been safe. And uh, so I think that that's important to bear in mind that We are different, men and women are different, but we have complementary roles and it's all about love and respect in both directions. That complementarity is a wonderful thing. Now, one of the questions I like to ask my guests is about the saints, some of your favorite saints. If you could just sort of talk to me about your um, relationship with the the communion of saints, because coming from Protestantism, it was probably an adjustment that you had to make.
0: That was a journey of itself, wrapping wrapping my mind around that and and the the significance of it it's totally blown me away I'm so grateful Uh, that was completely almost completely repulsive to me before coming into the church it just praying to dead people and all this kind of stuff it it took time but again God's grace is so sweet and gentle and he gives us the time we need to come around but I have been Blown away by the gift of um, our lady and how her intercession is so powerful It's so hard to express the beauty and the wonder within the church once you're in there It's a completely different perspective and when you're open to allowing the Lord to show that to you It's just so amazing Uh, and an example of that would be is going into um, like uh, joining the church with the Easter vigil We were asked what we wanted, who we wanted to have for our confirmation saints. Well, at that point, we we weren't very familiar. Kevin, more so, because he had done a lot more reading about some of the saints, but I was at a loss as to who to, to pick. And I didn't want to just randomly pick somebody for the sake of doing so. And so I was just praying about it. And within the course of, I think, two or three days, the exact same saint came up in a, a, a very unique way that it caught my attention immediately. Like I couldn't ignore it. And so um, my confirmation saint is uh, St. Faustina. And again, the message of mercy that, that the Lord gave her has had a profound effect on my life and how I live and interact with others, showing them mercy. And, and thirdly would be St. Therese of Lisieux and the message of love, just doing little things with great love. Is, is my mantra, because I do a lot of little things all day long. And that has been able to turn around me seeing, being annoyed and being bogged down by all the work I have to do at home with all the kids. And I mean, I literally used to cry about spilled milk, and I don't anymore. And that's such a blessing. And But to be able to see that everything I do, I can do for the Lord out of love. And it's that's been a huge gift to me.
1: What is your prayer life like now, and how does it compare with your prayer life when you were a Protestant?
0: I've always uh, enjoyed praying. Uh, I do remember really struggling with when when things weren't going well or hard or lack of words sometimes, not knowing what to pray or how to pray. And then when we came into the church, and there are so many books on just prayers, just prayers you can pray. And it really irked me at first because... I'm like, you can't like the whole vain repetition and and things like that. Just, it took me a while to get over that, especially since my husband really likes books and prayer books. And I'm like, we don't need to collect these. But what I've found is the times when I don't know what to pray, I can uh, pray a hail Mary to our blessed mother, or there's been a a range of of rote prayers that I've been able to memorize. The memory has been such a blessing that in that moment when I'm overwhelmed or stressed, or I just know that even I, I would even slip into just if I'm upset at Kevin, just wanting to be like, and he did this and that and that and that. I, I can stop myself from going there by just focusing on a prayer and praying to the Lord, and it, it directs my thoughts and keeps me on track sometimes. The rosary, as well, has been uh, an amazing journey, amazing blessing that. Again, there's a lot of, lot of anti-Catholic sentiment toward the Rosary, which I understand because I had that one too, but I don't have the words to explain or these reasons laid out for why it is such a gift. I just know that the intercession of Our Lady is so powerful and I have seen it over and over since we have joined the church that I have no doubts. You can argue about all kinds of things with me, but I just know that Our Lady hears and, and brings our requests before the Lord. And he, he answers them, and it's such such a gift. And so I have been blessed in that. I feel like my prayer life has grown deeply in that. And even novenas, they've been, I've loved praying novenas. They give such focus and such purpose to your prayers that I have um, found such great worth in that.
1: Mm. So have you started reading more now that you're Catholic?
0: I, I have a huge stack of books right now on my bedside table that I told my husband that that's, that's the pile I really wanna read. Problem is I'm usually so tired by the end of the night that I don't get very far, so it's, it's been a slow go. But I, I do still try to read as much as I can. The thing that I'm thankful for is Kevin always gives me the Coles notes of whatever he's reading. So I feel like I'm benefiting from that quite a bit too.
1: What about the apparitions of Mary? Have you looked into them? Do you have your favorites? Are there any that you're excited about that inspire you, like Fatima, Lourdes, or uh, Guadalupe?
0: Those ones were the first ones I learned of and heard of. The miracle of the Thoma, like what what can be seen as how impossible it is with the inks. I just find that remarkable how it has survived, not only survived, but even just, it's not supposed to even be essentially, which is clearly a miracle and it's really amazing but again a, a transition for me becoming catholic was going from calling our blessed mother mary and just being very casual about it to growing in this reverence and this love for our lady that i i'm surprised like when i think back to how i used to talk about mary i'm like oh that was so horrible but Just learning from her life and and seeing it in such a different way. And I have been seeing that in a new way as I've been reading through the Gospels, especially how she wasn't obviously in the forefront all the time, but she was always following the Lord and was obedient and the sorrow she must have experienced.
1: Intense, yeah. Uh, Do you know we have a saint here in Montreal called uh, Saint André Bessette?
0: Well, we've watched a documentary on him and actually we're planning on coming out to Montreal this summer.
1: Well, you have to give me a call maybe we can meet for a coffee or meet at the oratory. They've got a little cafe up top.
0: Yeah, that would be great. We're hoping to go there. That's
1: going to be your first time in Montreal? Yes. Interesting. So, uh, yeah, he's um, obviously one of my favorite saints because I'm so close to him geographically and in time even. It's a real opportunity to get close to the Holy Family. And, of course, he was... um, inspired to build that great church for saint joseph right so but just tell the listener that's been away from the confessional for decades or the listener who's never been to confession because they're not even christian yet like the atheist explain to them how it is to walk into that booth and how it is to walk out of the booth what do you think is taking place inside there
0: the initial thought when i knew we were going to be coming catholic And where I'd have to go to confession was probably a combination of fear and horror. And I've always been very aware of my faults and my failures and not very impressed with them, obviously. But to have to actually speak them out loud was completely mortifying. But... The interesting thing was is it didn't last long. I don't know what the shift was, but I wanted to go. I wasn't, I wasn't scared about it. I was a bit nervous about just the whole thing, but I wasn't trying to get out of it. And without fail, every single time I have walked into the confessional, I've felt burdened. I have felt whether I'm upset at myself or upset at somebody else because they did something that's making me upset or whatever. There's a burden. It never fails that I walk out of that confessional light full of joy and with a smile on my face. And so my first confession was, went in and the priest was just very gracious because he knew this was, we were joining the church. And I had a long list and I was rattling them off and getting more upset by the second. But he was just really gracious. And in the moment as the priest was praying the prayer of absolution, I felt as light as a feather and I just, I, I couldn't believe it. I've never, never known that was possible to actually let it go, that it's gone, that we are just forgiven in such a sweet way. And that has been the case every single time. It's been such a gift. It's something that, I couldn't live without now it and if I was speaking to somebody who hasn't been in a long time just go like it there is just no shame in it like no shame because that is what the devil is using to keep you from coming into the full relationship with the Lord like you need to just go you will receive such grace and you can keep going every single time you fall and don't fear the confessional because that's a treasure
1: I sort of read my way into monotheism from atheism through philosophy, and then I started devouring the lives of the saints and uh, philosophy of the Middle Ages and texts of the councils and uh, the writings of the early church fathers. And uh, then when I actually got accepted into the Catholic Church after doing RCIA, I started going to church and meeting regular Catholics and regular priests. And I have to say, I was quite disappointed. I was disappointed in the lack of faith, the lack of orthodoxy. And this is not to puff myself up and to look down on anyone. It's just a reality. So just talk to me about your own experience, please, and how it contrasts with my own.
0: It's not far off at all from yours. So it's that struggle with now that we're in the church, as you said before, it's this beauty and this wonder and the sacraments and the grace, but. To deal with that is a burden we did not expect to carry. Like the honeymoon, unfortunately, wasn't very long, but there's no going back. Like there's never going back from here. We know that the Lord will prevail in the end. And so we are now trying really hard to show this to our children and teach them that this is the church that the lord instituted and it will stand and we will make it to the end and to not become disillusioned themselves and to leave right for them to see that this is still all from the lord but we have to to keep fighting this battle to the end and um not given
1: have you met anyone that has gone so far to the right that they've broken away for example um set of acantists or recognize and resist sspx rad trads
0: um i don't know like personally anybody who has we have met some people from those camps i mean it always brings up more questions and confusion on my part because it's like how on earth is this does this work but I, 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 again, don't feel comfortable going in those directions. I don't think that's much different than what, what happened with Luther and going all off and making your own groups that you think are better. So um, I, I grew up in a more legalistic type. It was more like that. And I always felt that that doesn't bring us closer to the Lord if we're always just focusing on the rules and that kind of thing. So I think that's probably why too I'm very much wary of that approach
1: Mm. so i like to just have my guest try to dig deep and find a little message of hope for the listener so what do you think you might be able to say that to anyone that's out there listening now
0: there's always hope there's always hope and if one is able to honestly pray and ask the lord to show himself to move in their lives the lord will not fail obviously don't understand his ways or how he brings these things about but he he does look at our hearts and and i don't know obviously the background of, of all these listeners but there is hope and and the love the lord has for them is endless and his mercy is so great that it covers all of that and if we are able to truly trust saying yes saying yes to god that changes everything because i I'm a completely different person than I was three years ago when we joined the church. The Lord has turned everything around for me, and I know it's all going to work out. And so I'm just excited about it, and you can be too. If you like your worldview, if you think it's swell, if you've got some questions, ask me and I'll tell. All you've got to do is ask. All you've got to do is ask.